0: Producers and creators are the sources of all value on the planet. MC Lobster, the host of the top-rated business and investing podcast, Cashflow Ninja, is on a mission with Producers Wealth. To help producers create, protect, and multiply their wealth outside of Wall Street in any economy by creating systems and processes that help them increase their production, provides them with liquidity, passive income generators, and opportunities for enormous growth. Learn more about their time-tested
1: and proven systems at yourownbankingsystem.com. At your own banking
2: Welcome to the Cash Flow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Here is your host, Inside the Dojo, MC
0: Laubscher. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas, MC Lobster here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today, and in today's show, we're going to look at what to do when the perfect investment isn't so perfect anymore. I'm joined by Paul Moore in today's episode. After graduating with an engineering degree and then an MBA from Ohio State, Paul started on the management development track at Ford Motor Company in Detroit. After five years, he departed to start a staffing company with a partner. They sold it to a publicly traded firm for $2.9 million five years later. Along the way, Paul was a finalist for Ernest & Young's Michigan Entrepreneur of the Year two years straight. Paul later entered the real estate sector where he uh, completed 85 real estate investments and exits appeared on an HDTV special real estate episode, rehabbed and managed dozens of rental properties, developed a waterfront subdivision and started two successful online real estate marketing firms. Three successful developments, including assisting with the development of a Hyatt hotel and multifamily housing project, led him into the multifamily investment arena. Paul co-hosts a wealth-building podcast called How to Lose Money and is a writer for Bigger Pockets. Paul is also the author of The Perfect Investment, Creating Enduring Wealth from the Historic Shift to Multifamily Housing. Uh, This book was released in 2016. Are you
1: an investor looking for passive cash flow but don't have the time to explore your options? Discover real estate. It's the best option for passive income that savvy investors have been turning to for years to generate income and build wealth. But the reality is real estate investing takes expertise, market knowledge, and time. So what do you do if you don't have the time or market knowledge? Discover how many business investors have found a way to generate cash flow from real estate investing. Their secret? They partner with proven private real estate investment funds. Four Peaks Capital Partners have created a system that allows accredited investors the opportunity to invest in undervalued assets to generate passive income and capital gains. Invest with the cash flow experts and sit back while Four Peaks does all the work. Call 4Peaks Capital Partners at 8775 Income. That's 8775 Income, or go to privateincomeinvesting.com. An offer to buy or sell securities is only made by a private placement memorandum. Prospective investors must read the PPM in its entirety before making an investment decision.
0: Paul, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thanks, MC. Yeah, can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners?
2: Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, got, uh, I had no idea what I wanted to do. In high school, I wanted to be a parapsychologist. I'd seen that uh, movie Ghostbusters, and I thought that that sounded like a great idea. And then I found out there, nobody had a degree in that. So I went to the opposite end of the spectrum and uh, got an engineering degree and realized later I wasn't sure I wanted to do that either. So I got an MBA at the Ohio State University. I went to Ford Motor Company for about five years. And though I love Ford, I was right in the heart of it in Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, I realized that I was an entrepreneur at heart. And so I started trying to start businesses on the side in the evenings. And finally, about five years in, I was able to start a human resource outsourcing company with a partner. And we did that for five years. I was fortunate enough to be a finalist for Michigan Entrepreneur of the Year twice during that five-year run. And then we sold it to a publicly traded firm. And you know, MC, a lot of people dream of being retired in your mid-30s. Uh, I guess I was semi-retired in my mid-30s. I can tell you it was miserable, absolutely boring. I moved to the Blue Ridge Mountains of uh, Central Virginia. Love it here. We stayed here these last 20 years, but um, found myself bored real quick, and we started flipping houses in the year 2000, and since then, I've done about 10 different things in the real estate arena, including flipping houses, flipping high-end waterfront lots, I have a resort real estate website where I sell leads to realtors, Um, built some new houses, which is a big mistake for a guy who doesn't know how to hang a doorknob, Uh, built a uh, multifamily slash hotel in North Dakota, which was very profitable, Uh, lost money doing wireless internet and oil exploration in North Dakota, finally landed on multifamily housing, which is what I've been doing for the last four or five years.
0: And that's kind of your, your, have been your main focus. And you talk about the perfect investment in, one, in your book also of how to use multifamily housing to create this, this wealth and, and, and this legacy wealth. Can you share a little bit more about uh, what you fo- found in this asset class so attractive and, and why it's the perfect investment for you?
2: Well, multifamily housing has uh, demographics that where you can look out. I I, I was in my early fifties, and I realized I wanted something that was going to last. I've been a serial entrepreneur. I didn't mention the other ten or twelve companies I started that you know mostly failed or never got off the ground. But um, I was looking for something that where I could look out generations or at least decades and see where it was likely to be something I could build and leave for my kids, something that wasn't transactional in nature, like my real estate business, where I was making commissions or house flipping, where I'd make the money and then move on. And I found that in multifamily, there are three major reasons, three things we love about multifamily. Um, Stepping back though, in 1995, the government was tinkering around with uh, the uh, laws regarding mortgages and they said anybody who can fog a mirror can get a mortgage. And so the homeownership rate skyrocketed from the low 60s, which is where it was historically up to uh, 69.2% by 2005. And then, of course, we all know what happened in the next 10 years. uh, There was the housing crash, people that shouldn't have had houses or that overpaid for houses. uh, A lot of those lost, a lot of those people lost their houses and the uh, homeownership rate plunged back to its normative rate of about 63% by 2015. Every percentage lost, MC, was a million new people in the renter pool. And what happened is a lot of people realized that homeownership wasn't necessarily the great American dream that we have been told since, say, the 1920s or 30s. And a lot of people returned to renting or decided they just wanted to rent from that point on. The three major demographic things that are going on is, number one, the smallest but fastest growing group of renters are the baby boomers. People, built, uh, people born between 1946 and 64 generally, uh, about 77 million strong, uh, renting more than ever. And statistics say when our group of, uh, of folks rents, we will never return to home ownership again on average. Second, millennials. Millennials have record student debt and a desire for great flexibility, and they don't necessarily see the point in being tied down down to a 30-year contract on a seemingly overpriced home when they might want to move across town or across the country next year to have new friends, new jobs, uh, new opportunities. So they see renting as a better alternative. Third, you've got immigration. Immigration continues to play an increasing role in the U.S. economy, And immigrants, by and large, rent more and for longer than uh, the average U.S.-based homeowner, uh, renter-homeowner. So those three factors are causing us to be able to look way down the road and say, hey, from 2007 to 2015 or so, renting skyrocketed, but building of new apartments did not. So the apartment building boom that happened in the 70s and majorly in the 80s has not really been replicated to that degree. So there's still a supply and demand imbalance, and that is a long answer, but that's why I call my book The Perfect Investment, which is basically creating multi generational wealth from the historic shift to um, multifamily housing.
0: What do you currently see going on in this uh, space, Paul? Because we've seen uh, a little bit of uh, compression on the cap rates and so forth in specific markets. Uh, what, what is your overall view? Uh, and also looking at specifically the markets that you guys invest in.
2: MC, it's really frustrating because we have chosen, all of us are in our 50s, and my company is Wellings Capital. And we're all frustrated because we made a vow that we were not gonna knowingly overpay for any multifamily asset. And we also made a you know commitment that we were only going to invest in great markets. So we're looking in places like Raleigh, Dallas, Charlotte, um, Greenville, South Carolina, uh, San Antonio, Texas, markets that are growing. We have 22 metrics, and we want to hit most of those. You know, well, you know, increasing net population migration, low unemployment, diverse economy, and we're finding that the competition in these markets is intense, to say the least. The cap rates are very compressed, which means the prices are very high. And like I said, we're not going to knowingly overpay. So we've got a real dilemma. The guy on this mic here wrote a book called The Perfect Investment, yet I'm kind of wondering, MC, if maybe it's not the perfect investment at the moment because almost everything, even the off-market deals, are overpriced and overpriced by millions in some cases. And we're just simply not willing to pay that. So we've had a real hard time finding assets that make sense for our
0: investors. So uh, what are some of the things that uh, you guys look at from a strategic point when the perfect investment becomes not so perfect?
2: Well, it was really a hard, um, it's kind of hard to admit this. And uh, I went to our investors after three or four months of research uh, back in May, which was a few months ago. And I told them, I said, hey, guys, there's a lot of you. I have uh, over 190 investors who are asking me regularly, when's your next investment? Our last multifamily deal was uh, six months ago. What's coming? What's next? We're, we're going to leave and go somewhere else. And some of them have, and I understand. And I said to them, you know, it's kind of hard to admit, but we're actually going to take a different tact right now. We're going to actually uh, find." a find and carefully vet companies in other asset classes, and we're gonna give our investors opportunities to invest with them. So we've been looking at uh, other asset classes that we find very recession uh, resistant, like multifamily is, and uh, that do well during good times and do pretty well during bad times as well. And we've landed on two. We're looking at self-storage, and we're also looking at mobile home parks. And I know you're very familiar with those, MC. Um, and so that's what we're doing. We've actually made uh, three trips to uh, the headquarters and some of the other sites uh, for a certain self-storage company we really like. And we're actually offering our investors an opportunity to be part of some of their self-storage deals. And we're working on that right now. And mobile home parks, the jury's still out. But uh, we're looking at some of those companies as well.
0: That's very, very interesting because, yeah, those are definitely two um, asset classes that uh, we're looking at as well for uh, a lot of opportunities. Um, What I really appreciate, Paul, what you bring to the table and discuss and talk about too is your philosophical outlook, um, not just on uh, real estate specifically, but overall wealth, wealth creation and also, um, yeah, the, the the whole legacy aspect of it as well. Now, before I dive into to the legacy part, which is one of my favorite topics, as, as my listeners would know, you also have a podcast um, that is called How to Lose Money. Uh, what were some of the reasons that you came up with that name for the podcast?
2: Well, you know, it is a wealth-building podcast, but you wouldn't know it by the title, would you? Um, we... Um, we, I realized over the years, and I, I as I read, I, I've been attuned to this fact that it's a lot easier to learn from our mistakes than our successes. Um, I, I heard a story of a guy sitting in an airport, and he, uh, a, an Asian guy, sat down next to him and they got to talking and he told him about his new invention, his new product, and this guy sends him a check for a million dollars later to help him fund his investment. And it took off and everybody lived happily ever after. Well, what am I going to do with that MC? Am I going to go sit in an airport and look for an Asian guy to sit down next to and talk about my idea or try to raise money from? It's kind of silly. I can't replicate that success. But if I would have heard about all the failures that guy had and heard what he did wrong and heard how he lost money... I might be able to avoid those failures. And so we decided, with everybody talking about their successes, and we all do it, that there should be some outlet for people to talk about their failures and their problems and where they lost money, where they made mistakes, where they got burned by a partner, where they lost a relationship because they were workaholics. So we've created How to Lose Money. We have over 100 episodes. And we talk to uh, uh, influential investors Uh, managers, entrepreneurs who've had a lot of success, and we ask them about their earlier failures. And almost always, they find it really kind of an emotional release being able to talk about this. And sometimes they say, I haven't even talked about this in 15 years. And so um, our listeners get a chance to get the real inside story on how people lost money. And hopefully, we can learn not to do the same.
0: Yeah, it's great. I I love that because uh, learning from others' mistakes, I mean, we can't, well, I guess we can try to, but we can't possibly make all the the mistakes that people make uh, in in a lifetime. So it's great to study uh, also not just the success that people have, but all of the, the failures that they had leading up to that.
2: Right. That's true.
0: Yeah. Now, one of the other things uh, that you have uh, talked about is the secrets that some of the super wealthy um, use to attain and maintain wealth over generations. And I love this, uh, this topic. Uh, what are some of the things that you've seen uh, the ultra wealthy do uh, to attain and maintain wealth over generations?
2: Well, I looked through the Forbes 400 once and, you know, the, uh, the top people in that Uh, you know, billionaires and such um, made their money through IT and real estate. So technology and real estate. And it seems like I think 87% of those on the list, even those who made their money in tech, maintain a lot of their money through real estate. And one of the reasons is second only to oil and gas, which is incredibly speculative, of course, um, real estate has incredible tax advantages. Uh, A friend of mine in California who'd been in the real estate business for about 25 years said, if the American public knew how little we are taxed, there'd be another tax revolt on our hands. (laughs) And he went on to tell me how he had mapped out a way for an investor to put $20 million to work in his company he would take the profits from that for 10 years, reinvest it, reinvest it again. And then in year 11 through 20, he would distribute uh, the profits from that, but he would continue to reinvest, roll over, do 1031 exchanges, et cetera. He showed me how $20 million could throw off $130 million in distributions in year 11 through 20 and grow from that 20 million to about a two hundred and ten million-dollar asset base by year 20. And that was pretty amazing. And that was using multifamily, by the way. That was really amazing and almost head-scratching, like, how could that be? But he showed me, and it really was true. But here's what was more amazing. What was more amazing, he said, is that if done correctly, using 1031 exchanges, return of capital, the right timing, everything else, it's possible that that investor might pay as little as zero taxes on that the whole time. And more likely a couple hundred thousand dollars at a minimum. But think about that. $137 million in distributions and virtually no taxes paid over 20 years. Um, and he showed me how that was possible. So, and what's crazy is, as you know, MC, you can, if, if done right, at an inheritance at the time uh, that it's left, to our either our spouse in certain states or to our kids uh, or our heirs in other states, um, it's possible that the basis on that could be reset at the time of our death and that our, the people that inherit that will pay zero taxes as well and they'll be able to start fresh uh, with a clean slate and uh, build that legacy even more. So I love uh, apartments. I love other commercial real estate for that very reason.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the big, big, big wealth destroyer right there, taxes. Uh, right. And it's just quite amazing how these families make it a priority, you know, first to protect the money um, and uh, be as economically efficient as possible. And by being economically efficient, you have to bring in uh, the tax strategies, right? Um, because that is the number one biggest wealth destroyer out there. Right. Yeah, absolutely true. It, you're listening to Paul Moore on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. My friend Dave Zook from The Real Asset Investor says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. The Real Asset Investor team creates value for investors looking for high yield returns from multi family apartments, ATM machines, and self-storage investments. Their syndications offer attractive investment opportunities that produce strong cash flow, equity growth, huge tax incentives. They are truly passive and managed by a world-class team. To learn more about the exciting investment opportunities the Real Asset Investor offers, such as their multifamily, ATM, and self-storage syndications, please visit cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor. You're listening to Paul Moore on the Cash Ninja podcast and are back to our interview. It's just, it's it's quite amazing. And and that's the, I think for my listeners out there too, a big mindset uh, take on it as well. If you look at what these families are doing, where a lot of people are chasing returns and, you know, shiny object, it's very focused. Uh, They think very, very long range across generations. They make sure that they protect their money first and they're efficient. They're cognizant of all the wealth destroyers. And they have a strategy, not just for themselves, for the next generation and the next generation to transfer uh, this wealth on as efficiently as possible. So one of the things that I wanted to jump into you quick, Paul, that I appreciate too, is you you're, you're also a person that uh, I, I, I love seeing people living in their purpose and having a, a big mission uh, within their own life and, and within their, their business. Um, can you share a little bit about uh, the importance of your why and then also how it plays into uh, basically building a business that also supports a lot of other things that you're passionate about uh, and charitable causes?
2: Absolutely. Thanks for asking. I so as you've kind of guessed, I've been a serial entrepreneur for these twenty four years now, and uh, made a lot of money, lost a lot of money, but have decided that you know I really want to live the rest of my life. I'm fifty four years old. I figure I got forty six years left to work. Ha And I figure I want to do something to leave a mark and to change world history. I figure if my heart's beating and I'm using air. I might as well take the time to change world history for the good while I'm at it. And so what I want to do is, I don't know how much you and your listeners have heard about human trafficking, but I'll tell you this, if I was alive in the 1850s or 60s in the United States, I'd want to believe that I was fighting against slavery, that I was fighting for abolition of slavery in the U.S., or if I'd have been an adult in the 1950s or 60s, I'd want to believe that I was fighting for civil rights. Well, there's something going on right now in the United States and in the world that is just as horrifying, it's just not as obvious, and that is human trafficking and sex trafficking. There's as many as 36 million victims of this tragedy, and of course, all their families and friends and others are the extended victims as well. And we're talking about the population of like Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia, West Virginia, et cetera, the states near near you and I, all that population combined, imagine them being trafficked in one day, gone. Every man, woman, and children gone. Let's put it this way. If you took the record profits, not just an average, but the record profits of Apple, Nike, General Motors, and Starbucks- added those together, the record profits, double that, that's the estimated annual revenue that is generated by human trafficking worldwide right now. It's, Think about that. It's my, yeah, it's incredible. It's horrifying. And so I want to do something about it. And so I figure I can't really do much about this uh, just on the money I make. So I'm trying to have an influence. I'm trying to have opportunities like you've given me just now to talk about this but I'm also trying to take profits from my company, and I'm trying to encourage others to take profits from their companies to fight this great evil. And I've just joined a group called uh, Freedom Place. Freedom Place is a real estate investment group that is going to be building large office buildings and complexes you know, like a billion dollar office building in Dallas is the first one planned. And they plan to take all of the profits from the general partnership, which they would expect to be over $100 million, and donate that to fight human trafficking and rescue its victims. And so I've joined up with Ben Briggs from Briggs-Sothby's Real Estate in Dallas. And uh, we're going to be plowing on this over the next many years and really excited about it.
0: Yeah, and that ties into another thing too, Paul, um, and there might be people listening to this saying, you know, um, they might find themselves in a similar situation that you have as well where, you know, it wasn't just rainbow and unicorns, right? You found yourself in a situation at one stage where you were heavily in debt uh, and uh, you looked at... You looked at what. What do I need to do get out 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 of this to to get out of it? And a big a big central message that I've gotten from you too is, you know, the what the mindset of giving is one of the ways that it can add a lot of value in many other different areas of your life and your business uh, to get you into, out of a situation like that.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely true. Um, we. We found ourselves with about $2 million in the bank when we sold our company to a publicly traded firm in 1997. About 10 years later in 2007, uh, we found ourselves $2.5 million in debt. And that was all almost all tied to real estate, so that we were very thankful for that. Another reason I love real estate, by the way. But um, we were going into the worst recession it would turn out since the uh, Great Depression And I called my family and about three close friends together in January 2008 and said, well, it looks like our back's up against the wall. The interest payments on this alone are crushing, and our real estate income is drying up, and our investments are stagnant. We can't sell them. We were actually flipping a lot of high-end waterfront lots, and uh, we had been making a lot of money on those earlier, but now we were, you know, like we couldn't sell them. And so I said, look, it looks like we're gonna end up bankrupt if something doesn't change. So why don't we try this? Uh, why don't we try giving our way out of debt? Now there's a great guy in England named George Mueller. He lived throughout most of the 1800s. George Mueller set up an orphanage and he eventually cared for 10,000 orphans in total over these many decades. But he did it all debt-free and he did it all without making, uh, letting any human being know what his needs were. (laughs) And uh, he raised, I think it was like 180 million US dollars in today's dollars, uh, all without ever doing a fundraiser or ever asking for money and basically just giving generously. When he got money, he gave a lot of it out and he just kept getting more. So I said, well, what would George Mueller do? First of all, he wouldn't be in debt. But I was. So secondly, I thought, well, he'll give a lot. So I decided to start giving. So we acted, we told our family, okay, let's act like we're making half a million dollars a year, and let's start giving at that level. We're going to give a certain amount every week, which was incredibly painful. And uh, every week, we gave a certain amount to nonprofits that we were passionate about or our local church, and we started doing that January 1st, thousand eight. My friends said I was crazy. My family looked on and wonder, like, what, what are you doing? Uh, I had four kids. I still have four kids. And I, I wanted to actually leave some kind of a legacy for them. If this worked, I wanted them to have a story to tell their grandkids. And so four weeks later, I was at a Subway restaurant at Smith Mountain Lake in Virginia. And I met a real estate developer in there who I already knew. And I, I told him my dilemma. And he said, huh, you ought to try this. And he made an offhanded comment that was like this, this massive light bulb moment for me. And two days later, I was sitting in front of the county planning and zoning committee and saying, hey, I got this five acres that you won't let me subdivide. Your law says I cannot subdivide because of this rule right here. But if you read this rule a little differently, it actually says I can subdivide by that same rule. And the lady looked at me like, you've got to be kidding. She said, I've been working here for decades and no one has ever come up with this idea. Where did you get that idea? And I just told her, well, I just kind of had this idea. And she said, well, I'm going to go ahead and approve this. And she approved that subdivision, which allowed me to sell these five lots, even in the height of the recession in 2008 uh, for um, $1.3 million. And what happened is 13 months after we started giving, we were
0: debt-free. Wow. That is, uh, that is an incredible story. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Now, one habit I've observed from very wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skill sets. What are you currently studying and what new skill sets are you currently learning?
2: Well, I have had a big problem for many, many years. And uh, the problem um, has been that I have not been uh, a good steward of my time. And uh, I tried this time management thing or that time management thing. I drew these detailed spreadsheets out with all these block boxes and nothing ever worked. I mean, I, I have things on my laptop, you know, from like 10 years ago. I don't even remember creating or even some from two years ago. I don't even remember studying or creating. But I've come across something that your audience has already heard about. And that's The, the One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papazan. It's a book but it's also a program run by Jeff Woods. And I've joined the One Thing program and it's $30 a month and I'm learning to block my time. I'm learning to manage my life to my goals and it's working. It's incredible. And uh, it's actually so simple, you would think it might not work, but it actually really has. So I've been studying the One Thing principles and I'm making that my number one priority every week to live by those principles. I've been doing that for about three months now, and it's really sticking.
0: Very, very interesting. Yeah, and we've, we've had uh, Jeff on the show as well. That's a great, great, uh, great book. And I will, uh, yeah, encourage folks to check out that program as well. Uh, now, core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be?
2: Well, number one, uh, I would encourage people, especially serial entrepreneurs, (laughs) to really understand the difference between investing and speculating. Um, Paul uh, Samuelson, the first Nobel Prize winner in economics from the U.S., said, uh, investing should be more like watching grass grow or watching paint dry. If you want excitement, take $800 and go to Las Vegas. Now, what he was saying is that there's a difference between investing on one hand or speculating or gambling on the other. Investing is when you have a safe principal amount or you have principle that you can invest and in, it's safe, and you expect to make a return, that's investing. Speculating or gambling is when the principle is completely not safe and you expect to make a return. Now, speculating is okay, a lot of people do it, that's how oil wells are drilled and that's how IT firms are started, that's how angel investments are made. But the important thing is, and the problem I had for years, is I didn't know the difference. I told people I was investing when I was actually speculating. And the problem is, if you keep playing double or nothing with a huge percentage of your investment capital, what's going to happen when you have nothing? What are you going to have left to double? And that's what I did a number of times. So I found myself in places, like I mentioned earlier, where my back was against the wall a number of times. Now I know the difference. And I am actually, even though, again, I think speculating is okay with a small percentage of your money. I am passionate about investing and teaching others to invest instead. Second principle is eradicating neediness. And what I'm talking about here is not being a needy person, not in your marriage, not to your friends, not to your investors, not as a business person. You want to be a person who's so self-confident, so assured of yourself that you know your identity is, is such that it is secure regardless of whether any of those people I mentioned say yes or whether they say no or whether they even insult you. Eradicating neediness for me in business is like this analogy. Um, if you are, this is kind of a silly analogy, but if you're way up north and you need to live and you want to live on salmon and you live near a, a waterfall or a lake, you can either become a spear fisherman, which means you have to, you know, get those spears and and learn to throw it and hope that a fish swims by in this dark lake and hope that when you throw the spear that the fish doesn't turn at an angle and you miss it. You can be a spear fisherman. You'll catch, you know, you'll get some salmon that way. Or, and this is where it gets a little silly, you can become a huge grizzly bear with your mouth wide open, standing in the waterfall, letting the salmon jump into your mouth. What the heck am I talking about? What I'm talking about is if you can create a platform in your business where you're not out there constantly begging people to invest, you're not out there constantly trying to get people on board, you're not spearfishing, if you will, in a dark lake. You're actually the grizzly bear where people are, you know, salmon are jumping into your mouth. What I mean by that is, MC, you have done this. You've done a great job. You've got a platform. You've got people wanting to invest with you. You've got people wanting to advertise on your show. You've done this exact thing. And that's what I'm recommending that people do. It's a lot harder. It doesn't have results immediately. It means a lot of plowing on social media, doing podcasts, doing emails at one thirty in the morning like I was Saturday night. But it generates a return that's incredible. And people want to come to you because they trust you. And MC, you've done that. And I'm working on doing that as well. The third principle is don't fall in love. Now, I've been married 31 years, and I'm all about love, but uh, I'm encouraging people not to fall in love with their investments, and specifically not with real estate. Uh, I remember a time when I was first flipping houses. uh, I was in love with Cape Cod-style homes, and I just thought they were beautiful, and I didn't care where they were. I just thought everybody loves this house, don't they? Yeah, So I saw a Cape Cod house in a declining part of town. It was probably the nicest house in the neighborhood. And I thought, who would not see the beauty in this home? And so I bought it, and I paid an okay price for it, and I fixed it up really nice. It was really nice now, and it was the nicest house in the neighborhood. And, of course, nobody saw the beauty that I saw. And I spent eight months sitting on that house and finally sold it for a loss. And I realize it's really important not to fall in love with real estate. It's important to look at the value objectively. It's important to uh, not get your emotions involved. It's important uh, not to just look for all the reasons to say yes, but it's more important to look for reasons to say no, as one of your recent guests talked about. So MC, that's my third principle. Don't fall in love with your real estate or investments.
0: Those are great. And thank you for sharing, Paul. Paul, how can my listeners uh, learn more about you and and your company and and your podcast and where can they follow you and stay informed of all of the projects that you're involved with?
2: All right. Well, our podcast is How to Lose Money. We're on iTunes and Stitcher and we're at howtolosemoney.com. My company is wellingscapital.com. That's W E L L I N G S. -S 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 C-A-P-I-T-A-L, wellingscapital.com. You can reach us there. You can learn more about what we're up to. Uh, Like I said, we're investing in multifamily and storage units. And uh, hopefully in the future, we might be expanding to uh, mobile home parks and other things. But uh, that's the two places you can reach us.
0: Fantastic. Well, Paul, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and uh, providing so much value for my listeners.
2: Absolutely. It's really been an honor, and I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties?
1: Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the United States. Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Learn how to find the best deals by downloading your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at noradarealestate.com.
0: That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Thank you for joining me again on the Cashflow Ninja. Thank you for all your support. You rock. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text cashflowninja to 44222. I'm also posting daily videos on Facebook and YouTube and will live stream weekly starting May 2018. To make sure you don't miss any of the live streams, please like and subscribe to my Facebook and YouTube platforms. I'm also dropping content on Instagram daily. Be sure to follow us on Instagram to get in on the action. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. That's our show for today. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms.